What's up? Thank you for the response. All right, so I uh, hope you guys are doing well tonight. How many of you guys like having it be kind of light outside when youth group started? I like that. It kind of made me think of summertime, and so it's a little ways away, sadly. You guys got a lot of tests and finals to do before then, but uh, summer is coming. So tonight we're continuing our series, Made for More, and last week, who remembers what we talked about last week? One person, Amy. How to be a man of God. How to be a man of God, right? And not, I mean, how to be a man of God, like for the guys, but also for the girls, the kind of, the kind of man that they should look for that, that reflects these godly characteristics. So thank you, Josh, for bringing the word for us last week. Tonight, we're talking about what does the Bible say about being a woman of God? And tonight, we're going to be primarily in uh, Proverbs chapter 31. And Proverbs chapter 31 is a mother sharing with her son what a godly woman looks like. How is her character? So something that's kind of interesting about this passage in Proverbs 31 is that each line begins with a, a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet in alphabetical order. And so it's obviously in Hebrew, not in English, so it's not in alphabetical order in our language. But each line it would be like, A, a, a woman of God is awesome. B, a woman of God is whatever the adjective may be. But this is in Hebrew, so it doesn't look like that uh, when we read our Bible. But it's kind of like it's giving us the A to Z of what is a woman of God supposed to look like from beginning to end. So we're starting out tonight in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. Proverbs 31, verse 10. It says this, An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. First, night, uh, first point we're talking about tonight is that a godly woman is precious. Godly woman is precious. Now you might be thinking, okay, well this verse starts out by saying an excellent wife who can find. I'm not a wife. I'm not married. And, and that may be true, but there's principles here that can be applied w whether you're married or not. Really just general principles that this describes a godly woman. And yes, it does specifically mention wife, and we see that throughout the rest of this text. But there are principles here that can be applied uh, to any woman. So, he says that a godly wife, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. That word precious means of great value, not to be wasted or treated carelessly. So, quick point application. Guys, if you find a godly girl, she is precious. Don't screw it up, right? Don't screw it up. It says a godly woman is precious. That means she's rare, hard to find. Not to be taken for granted for. Okay? Girls, your value is not determined by anything but your creator. Your value is not determined by anything but your creator. I think there's an attack of the enemy on girls and women to make them feel worthless. Literally, to make them feel worth less than what they're actually worth. 88% of girls say they compare themselves to images on social media, and most of them feel like it diminishes their self-worth. The enemy wants you to seek value in temporary things, like how you look, how many followers you have on TikTok, and, and things like that. Things that people say, oh, that's what a woman should be like. All these kind of superficial things, outward appearance sort of things, but none of that stuff actually matters to people who matter. None of it matters to people who matter. If someone is determining your value uh, based on how you look, how you look compared to like some Photoshop plastic surgery picture of a person on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever. 
If someone determines your value based on how good you flirt or how charming you are, your outward appearance, they don't really matter. Things don't matter like that to people who do matter in your life. People who do matter in your life are people that love you for who you are, not just for those things. And God's opinion ultimately is the only one that really matters, and he says you are precious. Anyone that doesn't see it that way, you shouldn't give them a say in your life. You shouldn't listen to those voices because they're influencing you to find your identity in the less and not the more that God created you for. Proverbs 31, verse 11 through 12. The heart of a husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So the first point that we talked about is that a godly woman is precious. The next point tonight is that a godly woman is trustworthy and giving. It says the heart of her husband trusts in her. Sometimes, me and Brianna argue about stuff. Do you, can you believe that? Crazy, right? If a couple ever tells you that they don't fight or they don't argue, like they're either lying or if they're actually telling the truth, they're like holding a lot of anger inside that they just haven't let out yet. Because when two people live together, you just disagree sometimes, right? But sometimes if me and Brianna could be in the middle of an argument and, and you know, she's fighting for her side, I'm fighting for my side, but my side is right like 10% of the time or whatever. And so we're arguing and sometimes even in the middle of that time, she will say, hey, I am for you. I'm for you. Even in the middle of this argument that we're going through right now, I may not be for your side on this argument, but I am for you as a person. I'm for you. I want good things for you. And I trust her. Even when I'm mad at her or whatever, I can trust her that she is for me. And I think that's a really valuable thing. And I might be right more than 10% of the time, but I don't know. But uh, the next thing it says is that, so her heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. That word lack of gain in the Hebrews, it's actually a term that they would use to describe gains of a war, like a, a bounty that they would get if they overtook an enemy and they got money or spoils from that war. And so it's kind of like you get this picture of a man and wife side by side, like they're, they're warriors together, they're partners fighting side by side, and she brings him victory. A partnership is about giving. It says she will do him good and not harm all the days of her life. She wants nothing but good things for other people. Nothing but good things. In a, in a healthy relationship, people do each other good, not harm. That means it's not just in the honeymoon stage, though. It's not just when everything is okay. It says all the days of her life. So it's kind of easier when you first start dating someone or whatever it may be, like, you think they're pretty or attractive or charming or whatever that may be. But maybe as the months go on, you kind of notice, hey, this person has some flaws, right? They have some flaws. But this says that she, sorry, I missed the verse. She does some good, not harm all the days of her life. So there's a commitment there. There's a trustworthy commitment that she does some good all the days of her life, not just when everything is fine. Proverbs 31 Verse 13 through 20 says, She seeks woolen flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant, and she brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. 
She dresses herself with strength and make her arms strong. She, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. The next point we're talking about tonight is that a godly woman provides for others. A godly woman provides for others. So we see some cultural examples. How many of you guys in your life have ever sewed, like sewed before? Like fabric? Probably, okay, Josh. <laughs> Both Josh's. Brianna, have you done it? Maybe a little bit. So most of us, maybe not, right? So there's maybe some cultural things like that was very common for them to do back then. Um, but the general principle that we see here is that she is working diligently for her house, for the people that she loves, whether that be preparing food, she's buying property, uh, she's profiting off selling merchandise, she's running a business, right? And so it's not just that she's cooking or whatever, like some of it talks about cooking, some of it talks about she's running a business, but the general principle there is that she is a, a provider. And a woman doesn't have to do all those things, right? Some women work and some women run a business, some women are stay-at-home moms or, or whatever that may be, and any of that, is fine, but the general principle that we're seeing here in scripture is that she is providing for others in need. And she works hard to do that. When I was in kindergarten, uh, my mom would make me my lunch every day. And there's this other kid at school though that he had a lot of yummy snacks in his lunch, like goldfish and Cheez-Its and stuff like that. And he didn't really like to eat his food. So I would go to school and he would give me some of his goldfish or whatever, and then I would just eat that for my lunch and I would throw away the lunch that my mom made me. And I feel bad about that. Even to this day, I feel kind of bad about that. Because when you're little, like you don't really understand, you know, my mom put some effort into making my lunch for me, but I would just throw it away every single day. She was providing for me. You don't always understand the sacrifices that your parents make for you until you get older. My dad got multiple sclerosis in about, uh, 2007 or so. It's kind of crazy how it happened. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit later in this message, but my mom got breast cancer and she survived breast cancer. And then right after she was free from breast cancer, my dad got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which is a, a very bad, uh, just autoimmune disease, meaning your body is attacking against itself. And so right after getting over cancer, my dad gets MS and over the years, he got progressively worse and worse and worse. And so my mom had to begin working. She, she got another, a full-time job, and she was a teacher. She still is a teacher. And so she would go to work, and you guys, you know, you might feel this way when you come home from school, but usually you just want to chill, right? You don't want to do anything, because all day you feel like you've been doing things for other people. You're doing things for your teachers. You're doing assignments or whatever. If you're at work, you're doing things for your boss all day. You get home. You just want to do something for yourself and sit down and watch TV or whatever. But moms don't really have the chance to do that. So my mom, she would come home, and uh, after a long day at work, she would make us dinner, and she would... Um, sometimes do laundry or help with homework and all these different things. And so she stepped up to the plate to be a provider when she had to do that. And this is a godly woman works hard to ensure that her home is provided for, her loved ones are provided for, no matter what it takes. And even if you're not a mom or a wife, or even if you never become those things, you can still be a provider. You can still reach out to loved ones to help them in time of need, right? 
You can still have open hands for the needy and the poor. But everything this woman does, you know, it describes her as uh, being a, a cook. It describes her as being a property owner and buyer. She's into real estate. It describes her as being a businesswoman. But everything this woman does is not for herself. It's not for her own success or her own pride. It's really so she can give and provide for others. She seeks to add value to other people's lives. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 21 and 25. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. And later on, verse 25 says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. The next point tonight is that a godly woman is prepared for hard times. A godly woman is prepared for hard times. It says, when it snows, she's not worried about her household having or, or lacking clothes or coats for the weather. When, when things are in their future might make her worry, it says that she laughs at the time to come. She can face the time in the future with confidence enough to even laugh about it. I read this book called uh, Outliers, and this guy who wrote this book, basically he took some different successful people like the Beatles. How many guys like the Beatles? Maybe some of you guys. He took people like Bill Gates or Michael Phelps or Mozart, like completely random people that were at the top of their game. Michael Phelps, probably the greatest swimmer of all time. Beatles, like one of the best bands that's going to go down, like definitely in the 1900s or whatever. So he, he took all these different people. And he said, what's something that they all have in common? And one of those things was this. And this is important. If you want to be successful in life, this is one thing that successful people have in common. They had 10,000 hours of preparation. 10,000 hours. By the time they had reached that 10,000 hour mark, that was about the time when Michael Phelps uh, won his golds. That was about the time when Bill Gates had started Microsoft. That was about the time... You know, when the Beatles were really starting to get popular is after they reached that 10,000 hour mark. 10,000 hours of preparation. We have to be prepared. And a godly woman is prepared for hard times. When my mom was 36 years old, like I just mentioned uh, earlier, my mom got breast cancer. And it kind of rocked their world. I mean, it was to the point where they were genuinely worried about her dying. And I was in like third grade at that time. And so I didn't um, understand the gravity of the situation. There's, I might've mentioned this to you guys before, but I'll say it again. There is, um, uh, in my class, in my third grade class, we're reading this book that I really didn't like. And coming to find out later that uh, the girl in the book, her mom in that book dies of cancer. And this was while my mom had cancer. And so my teacher told me, she was like, hey, we're going through this book right now, but this happens in that book. If you want, uh, we can just stop reading this book and go to a different book. And I didn't really care about the mom dying of cancer part because I was like, that's not happening to my mom, although it could have. But I just really didn't like the book. So I said, no, let's just not read it. So we switched books in my third grade class because of that. <laughs> but at this time, you know, from my parents' point of view, my dad was stressing out and my, my dad was staying up all night, like researching on the internet, um, different cures, different treatments for cancer, with how far it had progressed. But my mom was not worried. In fact, my mom could sleep at night. My dad couldn't sleep at night. And my, mom, my dad was like, how can you sleep? It's because she had the peace of God in her life. Because she was prepared. But how was my mom prepared? Because of her spiritual discipline. I called my mom today 
because I was curious about this 10,000 hour thing. And, and I asked her about her devotional time. I was like, mom, when did you start doing devotions for about an hour or so per day? She said, well, that started around college. So I was about 19. And, you know, of course, she, she had some of that when she was a child, but it really became consistent when she was about 19. And so I did a little math and I, and I asked her, okay, well, let's calculate in like hours of church and hours of devotions. And, and so from the time she was 19 years old to the time she was 36 years old, so about 15 years, the exact number was around like 9,774 hours. That's the amount of hours that my mom spent in the word of God. 10,000 hours, right? And that's the amount of time she spent from 19 to 36. So when that time came, when she got diagnosed with breast cancer and had to possibly face the end of her life, she was prepared because she put the hours in, because she was ready. And the principle that we see here in Proverbs that a godly woman is prepared for the hard times that come in life. So, oh, 9,772 hours. That was the exact number. But that's not including your childhood. So if you add that, that obviously put more hours in that. But if you put in the hours for what it takes to be spiritually strong, it says she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Why? Because she's ready for it. Have you put in the hours to be prepared for the times that are coming your way? If it only takes 10,000 hours to achieve a gold medal that's really just a piece of metal, then how much more should we strive after our God? Proverbs 31, verse 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The next point tonight is that a godly woman is a source of wisdom. A godly woman is a source of wisdom. When I need advice, one of the first people that I go to is my wife. And one of the other people I go to is my mom. I think generally speaking, women have an ability to empathize with situations and how people are feeling that most men don't have the ability to empathize with. Another example is uh, Pastor Elijah. Lots of choices that Pastor Elijah makes for our, choice fa uh, our church family. He runs by Candace. Your wife should be your helper and always a part of the process and the choices that you make. And I find it interesting in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 1, he talks about wisdom and he personifies wisdom. He says wisdom is calling out for you in the street and he personifies wisdom to be the voice of a woman. It says she speaks wisdom and kindness. Her mouth is not used to gossip or slander, to lie, but to speak kindness and life into others. Something my mom would say all the time, kind of about speaking kindness. She'd say if it's not kind or necessary... Don't say it. To which my response would be, well, it wasn't kind, but it was necessary. <laughs> I had to say that. Probably not. Maybe we should say if it's not kind and necessary, then you shouldn't say it. But she speaks wisdom and kindness. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 28, says her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Our last point tonight is pretty simple. Pretty much what the text just said is that a godly woman fears the Lord. 
A godly woman fears the Lord. It says her husband and children praise her. Her husband and children praise her. And they're praising her for what will last. It says charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Charm and beauty, those things don't last. How can charm be deceitful? Well, if you're charming and flirty, like maybe there can be a, a place for that. But there's a sense in which when you're being charming to someone, you're trying to show them your bad side. No, your good side, right? You're trying to show them your good side. You're trying to show them uh, the good things about yourself. But if the only thing someone ever shows you about themselves is their charming side, then are they really showing you their real self? No, you guys are like, you wake up, people. No, they're not. Wake up. They're not showing you their real self, right? If they're just being charming. Charm can be deceitful. It says beauty fades. Everybody gets old. If I preach this in the adult service, they'd all be nodding their heads because they're literally living out that fact right now. Beauty fades, right? That's what the Bible says. And for us as young people, it can feel like, okay, well, my beauty's not going to fade. I'm so good looking. I'm so cool. Whatever. Dude, you're going to get the dad bod or whatever. Like Your beauty is going to fade. Everybody's beauty fades. You get old, right? Charm is deceitful and beauty fades. These are things that don't last forever. Trust me, it happens. Beauty fades. Even a year after high school, like, you'll be going on Instagram or whatever and, like, see people you went to high school with, like, literally a year later. It's like, wow. I used to think that person was attractive. Like, dang. So just trust me, it happens. Beauty fades. That's why there has to be more than just beauty when it comes to this. You have to focus more on that. And the praise that you receive in your life or the things that you're desiring other people to like about you can't just be like outward stuff like your charm and your beauty. The world wants you to be focused on those things. The more charming you are or, or the more funnier your TikToks are, the more flirty you are, the more beautiful you are, the more people who like you, who will follow you, the more popular at school you're going to be. But all that praise is just more shallow than a kiddie pool, right? It's not real praise. It's shallow because it's based on things that are deceitful, charming, deceitful. And it's based on things that fade because beauty fades. But here's something that the Bible says is worthy of praise, something that will last. It says a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. She should be praised for her heart. She should be praised because she has a heart that fears God. And she seeks to be strong and live for him when everything else in the world pulls her in that different direction. Is that who you are? Last night we talked, last time we talked about man, man of God, tonight woman of God. Are you a woman of God? Are you a man of God? Because who you date and who you choose to marry will be a reflection of who you are. If you're a man of God, you're going to seek a woman of God. If you're a woman of God, you're going to seek a man of God. And so this, in a way, like, yes, we're talking about what we should be, what we should look for, but it's a reflection of who we are. So we really have to ask ourselves and not just be judgmental, like, oh, she's not a woman of God. Uh, she is, maybe she is, or she's not, or, or he is, or he's not. But really, we need to look at ourselves and say, am I a man of God? Am I a woman of God? Am I living in the more? Or am I listening to the lies that the, man, the world is telling me about manhood or womanhood? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone that was able to make it here tonight, God. And I just pray um, 
Pray for the, the women in our church, God, uh, that you would just help them to be women of God, that you would strengthen them to be that, to be trustworthy, to be kind, to be diligent. God, to understand that they are precious in your eyes. Lord, that they would see themselves in your reflection, God, see their value in your reflection. And I ask all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, quickly.